0: Permission up front. How many guys will let me just relax and teach what I have on my heart today? Okay, all right. Now, for those who say I didn't clap, you are outnumbered by those who did, that are all on my staff. Open your Bibles this morning 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10, I'm going to read verses 3 through 5. We started a series last week talking about the physiology of the brain, neuroplasticity, um, really trying to grasp a, a new area of science that really is thousands of years old in Scripture, and that is that the mind... Uh, placed by the Bible in the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions, the memories, all that stuff. We also have a physical body that helps us express those things. Emotions. Memories are also physiology. There's hormones that create emotions or the lack of them. Uh, there's adrenaline, there's estrogen, there's testosterone, there you know, there's a physical response. But the soul has always in scripture been separate from the physical brain. Now science until about 1979 really believed and they'd concluded that that the brain was basically a computer that that is deteriorating from the time it's fully matured, now brain cells are dying. How many guys were told don't do that because you're killing brain cells? And there's no no neurogenesis, there's no new brain cells, and there's no neuroplasticity. There's no way to change the functionality of your brain. Well, we're learning now that through stem cell research, there is neurogenesis. We can generate new brain cells. How many guys that were in the 60s think that's good news? Because by the 70s, like, I don't remember the 70s. Like, well, then you were in the 60s, you know? so we can remember. And we know this. We know this because we see that someone who has a stroke has no capabilities, and then a year later, a good friend of mine, Skip, had uh, maybe 10 words, was his entire vocabulary the first time we met 10 years ago. He's been with us on missions trips. He's a regular part of the worship service. He's surrounded in community. His 10-word vocabulary, fully having recovered from the physical stroke, if you will, but the brain being permanently irreversibly damaged, he suddenly now, through the years of exercise and working and fellowship and pushing and believing and reading Scripture and understanding what God has for him, his vocabulary is up to like 75 words now. Used to be he'd walk up and say things like, I remember the first time I met him, I didn't know him, and he walked up and he was trying to say good sermon, but he didn't have the vocabulary to say, hey, good sermon. So he said this, he said, praise you. And I went, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and I realized, oh, what's God? I said, what's God? He said, he said, stroke, stroke. And I said, oh, okay, okay. So because I don't speak Spanish, but I try really hard, I also speak stroke. I only need a few words to understand what the person's trying to say. And the rest of it's body language. Does this make sense? So we know from being around people that have had close head injuries or uh, strokes and things, we know that people can actually develop new developmental paths, neuron paths they're called, uh, in the human brain. So we believe, we, we've seen it, but now we've proven it. There's such a thing as neurogenesis. New brain cells, there's such a thing as neuroplasticity, the reshaping or reusing of unused uh, stuff. So this is one of those sermons I'm going to say to you just very clearly. If you have not yet liked this on Facebook, there are people in your life that need to hear this message. People that are not warm to the gospel still need to hear that there's hope in their brain. Okay, you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and it's not just hope in the brain, but it's hope in the brain that can give us hope through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. It's beautiful. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Here we go. For although we live in the world, the physical us lives in a physical world, we do not wage war as the world does. Nope. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, so this is contradictory. On the other side of this, it's not the heads, it's the tails part of the coin. On the contrary, they have divine power. Now the carnal the, the power of carnal weapons, as you want to kill somebody, not discourage them. So, an M16 doesn't discourage you, it kills you. And this day, a sword, a spear, a chariot was not intended to frighten you, it was intended to kill your physical body. He's saying this the weapons that we fight with are not carnal weapons. They're not swords and spears and chariots and rifles. What are they? They're, they are divine. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. So, we're going to camp out here today. We demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive, everybody say captive, every thought to make it, force it, beat it into submission or obedience to Christ. We're going to focus on a few thoughts for a couple minutes. Let's talk about, first of all, demolishing strongholds. That phrase, we demolish strongholds. Some of the strongholds that he mentions are things like arguments. An argument is not like, I like U of M, I like Michigan State. That's already settled. (laughs) For for those of us to have a redeemed mind. I like Ohio State. There's gonna be a deliverance service at the end, at the altar, come, and just surrender your paraphernalia, that which is crimson and gray, uh, and and you'll be free, amen. So, arguments, that's an outsider. An insider argument is something happened to me and I can't reconcile it. I can't can't make it work. I said a prayer and, and what I expected to happen didn't happen. What I hoped happened didn't happen. What I feared happened. I've tried to be free. I've tried to stop. I've tried to convince myself. But no matter what I do, how many of you know what I'm talking about, these arguments? This is probably what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 7 where he goes, the things that I want to do, I I don't do. And the things I I don't want to do, I do like, I need a Savior. <laughs> who will rescue me from this body of death? I, he goes, thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord, who leads us into these victories. So he, he's, he's saying about himself, I, like, I want to keep my New Year's resolutions beyond Valentine's Day. I want to stop being mean to my neighbor's dog. I want to keep my temper under control. I want to lose weight. I want to stay fit. I want to drink three shakes a day and like it. I want broccoli to taste like cheeseburgers. I want this, but in the end of it, I, I find that what I want is not what I do, and what I do is not what I want. Does this make sense? So there's this inner argument. Other strongholds, pretensions. Pretensions are just false knowledge. It's just pretense, like I'm pretending I'm not really this. I just play one on TV. I'm not really what I appear to be. I'm a hypocrite. I'm, a, I'm not really the ghost that comes out from under the bed to play with my grandson. Or I would never do that. It's scary. Uh, the, the bear that comes out. Rah, you know what I mean? I'm not really a bear. I'm pretending. Well, pretense is something that pretends to be true, and, and this is what it does. It, these things, the strongholds, the arguments, the pretensions, their purpose is to raise themselves up. Here's the knowledge of God. They say, no, we're higher than that. But this is what God says, but this is what we say. Does this sound familiar to any other biblical story, like back to the Garden of Eden, for example? God said don't touch, but what he's doing is he's keeping from you the really good stuff. He knows that when you eat of this, you'll be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. In other words, the devil's schemes have not changed all that much in all these thousands of years. The plan to make Adam and Eve fall is the plan to make us fall today. And what's interesting is he's using words once believed. How many of us know the liar has no authority and so we believe the lies like truth? When we believe the lies like truth, they become strongholds, okay? So, um, and just put a pin in that for a second, because we're going to come back to 2 Corinthians 10. Let's get into some physiology. Uh, two major ways your brain, your mind functions, and that is the subconscious mind and the conscious mind. I don't think I have to explain this a lot. Your subconscious mind is right now, I'm up here, I'm not telling my hands to do stuff, I'm just doing stuff. Every time I see a picture of myself on Sunday morning, I'm never like this. I'm always like this. I, 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 I must be Italian somewhere in my DNA. If you were, to like, tie my hands behind my back, I'd be like, you know. My grandpa had the same thing with the car horn. He could not drive. We, we, we threatened not to take his license but to disconnect his horn because it was the way that he just communicated with everybody around him when the lights turned green. So there's a subconscious behavior. There's a reflex. There's a why I think the way I do that. And then the, just the thoughts, the words. You know, if you scare, ha, and you go, oh, shoot. <laughs> that means you had a mother. If you say, oh, the Canadian version of shoot, that means you had a father. You see what I'm saying? You don't, you don't think about it. I'm going to exclaim something now in my startled state that will express the fear that I have in my heart. It just comes out. How many guys don't know what you're thinking until you hear yourself say it? Subconscious mind. How many guys do things without really thinking about what you're doing? You just do them. How many guys drive home from work and they say, what'd you see on the way home? You're like, I don't know. It's like, what were you thinking about driving at 80 miles, I'm sorry, 70 miles, 69 miles per hour? What were you thinking about? I don't know. I was listening to the radio. Was thinking about my days, thinking about what's for dinner. You weren't thinking about driving? No. Why? Because it's gone from I have to think about this to I really don't have to think about this anymore. The front of the brain, now the back of the brain. So let's talk about subconscious thoughts for just a moment. And uh, really what this is, is just neural pathways. Once you ride the bike for the first time, the front of the brain is engaged. Oh, everything's wiggly and jiggly, but you do it for 21 days, you know how to ride your bike. You put the bike away for a week. You come back. You drive it again for, for, you know, seven minutes a day for 21 days. You put it away for a week. You get it out. You drive it for seven minutes a day for 21 days. After the third cycle, you're not thinking anymore about riding a bike. The front brain, concentration, balance, don't want to get hurt, fear, you know, hippocampus, you know, all engaged. It's not anymore. You're just riding a bike. It's like riding a bike. Once you learn, you, you never forget. It's just like riding a bike, right? So it's gone from I have to concentrate to it's just an extension of my body. Well, in this subconscious stuff, there's just neural pathways. What's happened is our brain has literally built physiology so that instead of trying to find their way through it, there's a highway, there's a pathway. How many of you guys think that's great when you're riding a bike? Not so great when your old man has a temper and now you have one. How many of us think it's great when you're driving a car? You have to like, think, you don't have to panic when cars come at you the opposite direction on a 55 mile an hour, no divided highway, and there's lights and you can't see from the glare. You just, you just learn to kind of look down to the right and pray. And after the 1,000th car goes by, you don't even think about it anymore. It's just driving at night. It's no big deal. Until you get my age, then you, you pray a lot more <laughs> and you think about it, you know? Yeah. So, so that's, that's it's just, how many of you guys are glad for that? But it doesn't work so well if you're raised in an environment where everybody, you know, all men get drunk every weekend. That's what real men do. How many of you guys know sometimes subconscious behaviors are our servants that keep us safe and sometimes subconscious behaviors become the masters that enslave us? And these are what we're talking about. We're talking about strongholds, subconscious behaviors. Um... And, and they're, they're neuropathways. They come out of things like our habits, things that, that give us pleasure uh, and trauma and adrenaline. So these, these pathways are, are built in our brain, literal physiology. It's not, this isn't like some nebulous, you know, electrons. No, this is, these are proteins. These are things that link end to end and to create almost like a, what do you call that when phones are really fast? They're, they're not wire anymore. They're or fiber optic. It's like, it's like literally fiber optic. Things move, and then these neuron things talk to each other chemically, and it's, it's astounding. If I were trying to explain it to you, we'd both be lost, but I'd be confident in what I was saying, though it were not true. So let's not do that, right? So habits, pleasures. When people say, what do you want for dinner tonight? I don't go through, I'm, okay, let me, there's Mega, there's Panera, there's the laundry. I don't. What I do is I want a cheeseburger. In my mind, I don't think menu. I think appetite. How about you? How many guys right now are still thinking cheeseburger, and I've lost you for the rest of the message? Thank you for your honesty, Shane. You know, yeah. No, it, it, I don't think, you know, what do you want for dinner tonight? I don't think restaurant. I, I picture in my mind something with grease dripping off of it. I picture something fresh out of the deep fryer. Those of you who picture Brussels sprouts, God bless you. And, and I'll see you in heaven. I'll be there before you. <laughs> but I'll be happy, and you'll be skinny. I'm just saying. Right? So we've been given by God this, this subconscious set of thoughts that come to us we don't really have to think about, but God's also given us a superpower, basically a superpower, a superpower. And it's the conscious, reflective thought. In other words, we use a different part of our brain to bring a thought, belief or action forward to be examined. So, I, yeah, I just ride my bike that way. And someone goes, well, hey, you know, if you did it this way, you could go a lot faster. If you leaned forward, if you just, if you didn't shift, hey, if you didn't look both ways before you changed lanes, you'd be safer. Hey, if you didn't yell at your wife, she'd be happier and you'd be happier. Hey, if you spent your money differently. So we can take what we do subconsciously, bring it to the front, and we can analyze it as if we're a second person looking at evidence in a courtroom. Does this make sense? All right, you're doing it right now, as a matter of fact. You're saying, what's he talking about? You're taking what I'm saying, it's coming to the front, and you're analyzing it. So let's do an exercise. How many you guys are, are done with physiology and want to exercise a little bit? Nobody, good, all right. Number one, here's the exercise, ready? I'm gonna ask you in a moment to raise your hand if today you're sitting where you would normally sit. Raise your hand, there we go, if that's you. I'm sitting where i normally sit, okay. So let's do some conscious exercise reflective thinking about why you subconsciously sat where you are. You say, this is mundane. We're going to get to your soul in a second. I just want you to believe it before we start confronting your fears. <laughs> and now you're defensive. That was a stupid thing to say. All right. Conscious reflective thought. So we're going to ask the question, why? Why did I sit? where I sit. Well, there's a few reasons. There's habits. Because the first time you walked in, you looked around the room, there was an empty seat. You sat there, and when you came back the next week, you thought, that wasn't a bad seat. And so you sat there again, and then you started to know the people around you, and it just it's just a habit. It's what you do. Some of you guys, though, you've had trauma. You've been trained to not trust People in large groups with loud music playing in a dark room with people moving around. You, you've had trauma in situations, circumstances. You've been held down, um, felt out of control. Uh, you've been in combat. You're a police officer. When you see people, you don't see friends, you see concerns. You see, you're looking, like for me to go shopping at Christmas time is, is just a terrible idea because the first thing I do is look at everybody's torso and I look at their face. Torso, face, torso, face. Why is that? Because I used to be a police officer. You, you, body language, if you're like this, if you're like this, if you're like this, if you're like, hey, if you're walking like this, I, I look at your torso and I look at your face. The body language tells me do you look at the face or not? I, I'm concerned sometimes as I'm out shopping and there's women walking around. I'm looking at their torso, then I'm looking at their face. Like, hey, up, eyes up here, chief. It's like, hey, I'm looking to see if you're a terrorist. I'm sorry, I don't. I'm not. Ch- I'm happily married, and you ugly. But I'm, I'm not. <laughs> compared to her, you ugly, right? But torso face. So once you do that a thousand times, you're exhausted and you just got into Best Buy. You hear what I'm saying? So sometimes it's just training, trauma. Sometimes it's pleasure. I just like really being close to the action. If Pastor Jim doesn't spit on me, I don't feel anointed. I have to be up front. I have to worship up front. I, I, the, the young people and, and some of the not-so-young people like myself, I like to worship in the altar. I'm not distracted. I'm just me. I feel closer to God when I get closer to the stage. You say, that's silly. Walk onto my world. I feel closer to God when I'm closer to the stage right? That's not to say those who worship in the back are farther from God. I mean, it is, but I'm not saying that. I, you just, you'd have to infer that. I'm, not, I'm just kidding. All right. So, whatever reason um, you have for sitting where you, where, you said, where you sat this morning, let me ask you another question. Here we go. Is there a better place for you to sit next week? So, if, <laughs> no. <laughs> we have our traditionalists. Thank you. Like, if you're thinking safety, I was like, you know, you're right. We are in a group setting, and and it is a a, a no-gun zone, and historically no-gun zones. You know, I I sit way over here in the middle of a row. I'd have to, there's no way, like, I'm going to sit there next week. Like, thank you, Jim, for bringing that up. I feel unsafe now. You're a wonderful pastor. God bless you. And you say, you know what, you're right, I, I, I've been wanting to worship in the altar for years, I just kind of lacked the nerve, I, I don't know why I've never done it, but next week, I'm going to come forward to the altar, I'm going to sit in the front row, I'm going to take notes, I'm going to amen Pastor Jim's sermons, I'm going to laugh at all of his jokes, even some that no one else laughed at, just to encourage him. <laughs> there it was, thank you, appreciate that, right? You know, and some are like, yeah, I, I, I'm fine where I am. But what we just did was this, we just brought a subconscious behavior to our conscious mind and placed it under examination. It didn't hurt a bit, did it? And some of you may think about where you're going to sit next week. Some of you are fine. I'd say 90% of you won't even ask the question because it was just an exercise that didn't really need to bear fruit. But 10% of you may say, you know, he's right. I, I should be more closer. I should be farther. I should be nearer. I should be, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a sheepdog and I'm a guy that's going to help other people, I should just sit in the middle. I should be on an exit uh, on the end of a row so I can get my body between them and danger or whatever, whatever your thing is. You know what I mean? When you realize why you're doing it, we brought it forward and we said, why do I sit where I sit. We examine it. And if we found a better reason to sit somewhere else next week, we can now replace our inferior seating position with a superior one based on our reasons. Does this make sense? Did I lose you? Four of you are still here. Okay, good. Let me show you what this looks like in the physiology of the brain because I, I like pictures and I get to use this really cool laser pointer. So guys, if you would, look down here. you see this area down here? Everybody see that? These are neural pathways. I'm not quite sure how they're measuring them. I know they do put off gamma radiation. They put off electricity, so they're they're easily measurable in different ways. But I want you to focus on this area right here, and I want you to see what's happening. Watch what's changing. It's morphing. This thing is growing in this direction. This thing grows in this direction. This thing gets big, and then it... Okay. What just happened was a neural pathway that had a, a thought, a behavior, whatever, was challenged. As we just challenged, where do we sit? It's on a loop, guys. Did you play that again? Thank you. As we we are looking and we're thinking, this neuron pathway, those are electronic signals firing. Now we're challenging it. This one's growing. That one's growing. This one bubbles up and... Okay. What's happening is in the physiology of the brain, that pathway, everybody say pathway. That pathway was now replaced. It, It just disappeared. The pathway to go from A to B. The pathway to sit where we sat, the pathway to, to listen on the radio, the pathway that breaks us out of uh, a pattern of, of destructive behavior, a pattern that breaks us out of a good behavior into a bad one. That pathway where electricity freely flowed, it connected with, with other thoughts and, and uh, other parts of the brain and basal ganglia and all this kind of stuff that form what we think is reality and we see it, we smell it, we feel it, we taste it. All of a sudden that neural pathway is cut off. What does that mean to us? Are you ready? Back to Second Corinthians chapter 10. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is structure, physical structure, neural pathways, thoughts, experiences that cause you to see lies as truth. Are you still here? So when we talk about the physiology of the brain, you say it's so hard because every time I get here, I do this, every time I get here, I do this, every time I get here, I do this. If you could understand something, let's say the thing you don't want to do is a 10-step thing, And, and step 10 is when we know it's wrong. Step nine is when we really, it's step eight. I once I, I've never gotten past eight and never gone to ten. It's a Twinkie, it's drinking, it's porn, it's, it's, it's behaviors that are just, we know that God says they're sin, but, but here I am. I'm a, what's happened is we try to deal with step eight, nine, ten. I, I, when I get to eight, I have to stop. When I get to nine, I have to stop. When I get to ten, it's too late. But this is what I'm saying. When we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, we don't wait till step eight. We ask ourselves, what's step one? How many of us know it's a lot easier to stop at step one than it is step nine? You hear what I'm saying? So in James, uh, James says, what, you know, God's not tempting you beyond what you can stand. As a matter of fact, he won't tempt you beyond what, and there's tests, but he doesn't tempt us for failure. When are we tempted? Well, we're tempted when we're drug away by our own evil desires, when we don't take thoughts captive, when we go from step one all the way to step eight, and then, and then go, oh, I should stop, I should stop, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, and boom, you overeat, boom, you get mad, boom, you look at porn, boom, whatever that is, right? I mean, you guys are still here. So, what you saw there on the screen is just simply the process. This is normal, this is normal, this is normal. The neurons are firing, firing, firing. Everything's connected. There's a pathway, least resistance, just like water flows, least resistance. Electricity flows, least resistance. This is what I do, it's what I do, it's what I do, it's what I've done, it's what I've done, it's what I do, it's what I do. And all of a sudden, we confront that. How? Because we take what's in the back of our brain, we bring it up front, we put it on trial, and we ask ourselves, is this the best way to live? Are you guys still here? So the real question that we have is, is, you know, these arguments, pretensions, everything that sets us up against the knowledge of God. The real question is, how do we demolish a stronghold? This is where it gets fun. You guys are still here, right? So not only can we place on trial today where we sat, let's place on trial something else. Um, This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. We take every thought captive, and we make it, force it, beat it, until it says, Jesus is Lord, not I'm Lord. We make it obedient to Christ. So here we go. Exercise number two. You guys all right? All right. My clock says that I have 43 minutes left. I promise I'll be done by then. All right? What strongholds do I have? Going over. What strongholds do you have? Let's talk about you right now. All right? I put some up here. This is not to make us all think, am I afraid? What well, scares me that I say I'm not afraid? Like, don't, don't do that. I'm, there's are some suggested things because I want you to have categories made to examine. So fear, addiction, post-traumatic stress. Self-hatred, depression, bitterness, anxiety, anger, lust, greed, guilt, shame, insecurity, trauma, abandonment, gluttony. And if you say none of the above, pride. I just threw that up there like, nope, I'm bulletproof. Okay, must be nice there in ignorance. Um, so let's take a look at that, and this is what we're going to do. So let's, let's say, in fact, would you guys just help me? Don't, please don't confess something in front of everybody right now, but what? give me the people you know. What would be one of those up there that they would deal with? Somebody say it anxiety. Let's take it. It's funny because three people said anxiety. That's cool. Is that anxiety up there? It is. Anxiety. Okay. Anxiety. So this is what we're going to do. I find myself fearful in, in a way that's phobic. In other words, I don't, I don't know why. I just, my, my palms, my sweaty, I, I just feel my breath, my heart, um, anxiety. I feel anxious about I'm going to go to work and have a meeting. I'm anxious about it. I come home to my wife. I'm anxious about it. I look at my bills. I'm anxious. I live in a constant state of adrenalized fear. Is that, is that summing it up? So we're going to take that thought. Now, here's what I want you to do. If that's you or any other thing up there, that's what we're going to do. Take that thought and arrest it. It's not okay. I place you under arrest. In the name of the king, you are under arrest. And you're going to bring it from unconscious, subconscious behavior to the front because we've got to take a good look at it. We're going to put it on trial now. You guys still here? You're being quiet, which means you're really into this or you're still at mega eating a cheeseburger. So I do a joke to bring you back in anxiety. It isn't what I'm going to do anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to confront it. I'm going to bring it to the front for my subconscious mind and my conscious mind to stand trial. And then the trial occurs. The trial is like this. We can question things in a trial. What am I anxious about? Why am I anxious? Was my was my mother a warrior? Is there sincere problems that are so big that they're bigger than God? I, am I, have I just learned to live this way? Is this the way? I don't drink coffee, but I want to adrenalize myself every day so I get anxious every morning, just kind of like someone would drink a cup of coffee to get revved up. We rev ourselves up. Is it just normal? I, if I'm at peace and I'm in the shower or I'm driving to Ohio where there's nothing to do but look toward the... Chick-fil-A, you know what I mean? And, I, and, I, and I'm just not thinking, where's my mind going? I find myself always uptight. Always, I'm tense. I'm, um, I find myself sick a lot. I find, I'm living in a constant state of adrenalized anxiety. If we find ourselves, that's, how many guys agree that's an inferior way to live? God doesn't want us to live that way. Say amen. So we bring that thought forward and we put it on trial. Why am I afraid? What am I afraid of? Where's this anxiety coming from? All right. So, this is what I want you to do. And this is a little, a little mind gamey, but I think it helps because when we imagine things, we burn new neuron pathways. Let me prove it to you. You ever see a bobsled team? Four guys are fast, one guy drives. The guy that's driving before the race, they usually show him and he's by himself, and what is he doing? He's sitting doing what? He's driving. He's doing this. He's going he's the corner and he's pulling and his legs and he's steering the sled, and you watch him doing what's he doing? Science has proven that we burn neuron paths, we produce physiology with imagination just as much as with reality. So if he goes down the track once, he can imagine going down the track 1,000 times and literally go down the track when he's racing the 1,000th and second time versus the guy that goes down for the second time. He's been down it 1,000 more times because he's visualizing. Now hear me. When we imagine the meeting at work going bad, it's going bad. When we imagine confessing our sin, and it's bad, it's already bad whether we confessed our sin or not. We can literally work ourselves up with what if and ignore a mountain of what is. By imagining it a thousand times, we literally build the reality of it as a stronghold in our mind. Now, we found that guilty. How many of you guys don't want to live that way? I believe God doesn't want you to live that way. Come on, somebody say amen. I don't want to live with anxiety. I don't want to live in this constant state of adrenalized fear. So we found it guilty of being inferior or wrong, or a sin, or a lie, or opposing what God has declared to be true. It's raised itself up against the knowledge of God to be superior to God. Now what do we do? Enter this, weapons with divine power to demolish strongholds. Are you still here? All right. We need a new and superior thought to stand next to the inferior thought and use our conscious mind to choose superior over inferior. Still here? Okay, Second Timothy chapter three and verse sixteen talks about all Scripture being the breath of God. God breathed, used for correction, exhorting, rebuking, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. How many of you guys know when you hear the same word twice, he's saying something? Thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible has what we need to confront everything. It is the fact. It is the truth. Ephesians says it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the foundation. Jesus says the rock on which you build your house. How many of you guys believe the Word of God is very important in this process? I don't want to replace an inferior thought with another inferior thought. I'm anxious, so I'm going to meditate and do yoga. I'm sorry. There's something better than stretching your body. There, there's something. I'm not saying stretching your body doesn't have advantages. I am saying this. You better not replace something inferior to Jesus with something inferior to Jesus and think you're making progress. You're not. What we need is something bigger than what's causing anxiety. And who is bigger than every fear? How do we know? The Word of God tells us so. When we put our faith in that Word... Like, like, let's just do this. Um, 365 times in the Bible, I'm told, I've never counted, but I've seen hundreds, it says, do not fear. How many of you guys think God is all about not being afraid? It says this that he who the sun sets free, because fear is one thing, anxiety is, is a lifestyle of fear. He who the sun sets free is what? Free indeed. And, and what else? God has not given you, Paul says to Timothy, First uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, God's not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, right? We have victory over fear. Fear not. God set you free from fear. You were not slaves again to fear uh, because what the law was powerless to do, Romans chapter 8, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did through sending Jesus Christ that we might be free. Who will rescue me from this body of flesh? Romans chapter 7, Paul says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is the key to get you free. He's the Prince of Peace He's the the morning star. He's what gives you hope. He's what takes away fear. Jesus said walking on water. It's a ghost. He goes, fear not. The same Jesus that said fear not 2,000 years ago is the same Jesus that says fear not today. Now you say amen, but let's do something. We've got the fear. We've got the anxiety, the lifestyle. We just talked about some superior thoughts, right? We, We name the stronghold. It's anxiety. We arrest it. We convict it before God and his word. Now sentence it. It's great to say amen in here when I got y'all lathered up with my southern preaching. It ah. doesn't help you when you get to your car. You can't listen to my sermons over and over again. They're great as sleep aids, but Jesus doesn't want you looking to look into anything less than Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't want you looking to look into anyone less than the Holy Spirit. Right? The Father has peace in his hand for you, not anxiety. You guys still doing good? Okay. So, um... We sense it to death. Now we're going to carry out the execution. How do we carry out the execution? We're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I, I feel rushed. Can I not feel rushed? Okay, half the number of people said yes the first time, but still enough for me, all right? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed is the word metamorphose. We get our word metamorphosis. From the word metamorphosis, I want you to think of something. Uh, a, a, an ugly caterpillar becomes a beautiful butterfly. Heimlich, the fat caterpillar, becomes a beautiful butterfly <laughs> through a process called metamorphosis, right, or metamorphose. Now, remember this. Metamorphosis is not a fat caterpillar becoming a skinny caterpillar. It's, it's not that simple. It does, it's not a, a caterpillar that lives with anxiety becoming a caterpillar that takes medicine for anxiety or has learned breathing techniques to relieve anxiety. It's not a caterpillar that learns to, you know, run faster and jump higher than other caterpillars not a caterpillar that blends in with its surroundings so birds can't see it because its greatest fear is being eaten by a bird because it saw a bug's life and it knows how ugly life can really be what, is, what happens is something is one thing fundamentally and through the process of metamorphosis becomes something completely different are you still here be careful I, I love exercising my body to relieve stress I love stretching I love breathing exercises I love all that But the root is not I don't exercise enough or breathe poorly. The root is I believe something that's not true. So exercising my body gives me a relief for some of that adrenaline. Okay, that's it. Good for another week. Eating the cheeseburger, my comfort food. It it comforts me in the moment, but it didn't solve the problem. You still here? How are we going to solve the problem? We have to go from being a bug that's a worm to a butterfly. How do we do that? We're going to be transformed, metamorphosed, by what? By the renewing of our dude, dudette. What you think becomes who you are. How you fate. You cannot stop the rain from falling, but you can decide whether or not you're going to dance in it or you're going to curse it. You can decide whether or not the rain is going to become a flood and it's going to to wash out my crops and my children are going to starve this winter. Are we going to say, hey, it's raining. (laughs) It's not the worst day of my life. It's Tuesday. And we're not freaking out about it. Why? Because the one who sends the rain is faithful, and I can trust him. You hear what I'm saying? So there's a process. There's a process we go through. Now, one last thing. You guys still doing well? Says slide 23 of 24. So we're we're here now. He's playing. Last slide. Take a good deep breath. All right. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Interesting. Those are both in the continual tense. I was transformed at third grade camp. Transformed, continual tense, by the renewing, renewing, continual tense of your mind. We're never going to stop finding out how big Jesus is. And we shouldn't even try to exhaust it. We're never going to find out how merciful he is, how powerful he is, how loving he is, how patient he is, how kind he is, how Jesus he is. We will never come to the end of it in this life and go, there I got it all. I, I understand him now. Sorry. <laughs> they didn't understand him then. You can understand parts of him, and those parts will set you free. they are going to know the truth, and the truth is going to set us free. Jesus is the way. The... You're going to know Jesus. You're going to be free. But that metamorphosis is, is a fundamental shift in everything you see, everything you think, how you digest reality. You can't, you can't stop the rain from falling, but you can, you can change the way you respond to rain. You just can. In this renewing of your mind, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit for help, and this is this is the help. This is a process. Carolyn Leaf, PhD, more degrees than a thermometer. This is her system: detoxing your mind. I'll give it to you in, in brief. You schedule uninterrupted time. I don't have time. And anxiety is your problem. You need to make 10 minutes a day. Come on, I don't have 10 minutes. You don't understand. I, you have 10 minutes. You don't understand. You, you can you can be free. You can head in this direction. You can help the metamorph logical process George Bush is my hero choose a scripture of truth to meditate on that directly confronts the pretension or the lie I'm afraid but Jesus says peace be still I'm living with constant anxiety but I'll know the truth and the truth will set me free I don't have any peace Jesus says I'm the prince of peace I am the royalty behind the power known as peace. I am your friend. I'm on your side. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna confront that. We're going to choose a scripture. We're going to put it next to it. And look at this. We're going to confront the lie like I called your mama fat. Okay? I, I can't say this strongly enough. Gee, I hope the Bible's true, and I hope that the fortune cookie wasn't lying, and I hope that my horoscope was real. And I, No, no. We're not talking about hope. We're talking about faith. I bind the lie of consistent fear in the name of Jesus Christ. And I release the truth of God that I am not to walk in fear. 365 times in Scripture. That I he who the Sun sets free is free indeed. And I'm gonna walk in the freedom that God has for me. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. And I will not bow down to the idol of fear any longer. And for seven minutes, we put the inferior next to the superior. And can you see what's happening? Neuron paths are growing. Something's starting to balloon. It's about to pop. And we're going to do this now. We're going to affirm the truth, as we just talked about. Seven minutes of deep, focused, meditative thought. Just what I did. If it's one scripture, say it over and over again and emphasize a different word. For God has not given me a spirit of fear. For God has not given me a spirit of fear. For God has not given me a spirit of fear. God has not given me, me, me. God has not given me a spirit, God has, a fear. Like, just, whatever, just whatever it is to get it in there, just think about it. God has not given me a spirit of fear. Power, love, and a sound mind. God has not given me the spirit of fear. Power and love and a sound mind. God has not given me a spirit of fear. He's given me a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. You do that seven minutes a day. You do that for 21 days and repeat it over two more 21 day cycles. And you find the next thing and you beat it up too. If you have not taken a note, you've not taken a picture, take out your phone and take a picture of that right now. Right now. Altar call time. Take out your phone, bring it to the altar, and take a picture. I want you tomorrow morning or even tonight, whatever the best 10 minutes you can find is, and I want you to work through this. I, I want you to schedule uninterrupted time. Choose a scripture to meditate on that directly confronts the pretension. Confront the lie like it called your mom a fat. Affirm the truth. Seven minutes of saying what is true. Tearing down what is not true. Do it for 21 days. Take a day off, two days off, whatever. Come back another 21-day cycle. Just like learning a bike. Another 21-day cycle. In doing that the third time, science has shown the popping of a neuron path and the developing of new neuron paths that creates a transformation by the renewing of your mind. How many of you guys want to be free? This is the mistake we make. We send people to detox. It's wonderful. You can't drink here. You can't do drugs here. That's wonderful. They're detox. Now they're sober, but understand this. You'll understand this. As a a former addict, you'll understand this, okay? Just because I'm not drinking doesn't mean I'm not still struggling with alcoholism. Just because I haven't yelled at anybody in a week doesn't mean I don't still have a great temper that could cause a lot of harm. Just because I haven't been exposed to porn in a week doesn't mean I'm free from pornography. You know what I'm saying? So by removing, we'll just put filters and we'll just have have accountability, and that's wonderful. But you you can't stop thinking something without starting to think something else. God doesn't lead us out of Egypt and have us just kind of like, okay, cool, we're out of Egypt. There's a process of the wilderness, and what's the process of the wilderness? It's to renew your mind. I need water. Where's God? When? And then all of a sudden water comes out of a rock. We're hungry. You let us out here to die. And All of a sudden like dew falls on the ground and hardens and becomes manna. Something that's literally called what is it? The Hebrew translation for manna is what is it? They still, what is it? It's just the mercy of God. It's just God providing for you. And when it's time to take the promised land they've been renewed. How? They've been transformed. How? Because they've seen God to be bigger than the people that live in the promised land you got to have a promised land to run to. You've got to have an Egypt to leave behind, and there's got to be a process that qualifies you to take and to keep the promised land. Are you still here? Stand your feet. Sorry I kept you so long. And, and if you looked at my body language, you would have found out that I wasn't really even telling you the truth when I said that. I, I'm sorry that this took longer than I had wanted it to, but I do not apologize for having said it. I'm so glad you heard it, and I hope that this helps you. How many guys can see before you a process? Being transformed, How? How do we renew our mind? There's a good starting place. I bet you find a good... Don't just start with everything. Start with a thing. Holy Spirit... I'm gonna close your eyes right now. Father, by your Holy Spirit, show us the one thing that is in our life that's a stronghold. It's a, it's a fortified base of operations for the enemy to interrupt communication, transportation. It, it, it's the land we've taken, but not quite because there's this place that, that still we can be attacked from at any given moment. We're never safe while that's there. God, show us show us where the Taliban live in our minds. Show us where their little, their, their cobbles are. Show us where their little fortified, like we can't kill it unless we know where it lives and what its name is. Show us what needs to be destroyed. Show us strongholds that need to be torn down. Show us, God. And that church, if, as you've done that, maybe God's spoken to you, maybe He hasn't. But if He has, like that's your starting place. If I understand what God just did, and, and let's not just... Came with such a broad brush, but if I understand what God just did, He just showed you something He doesn't want you to be a slave to. He doesn't want Taliban living in that part of your village. And He's going to give you the tools to tear it down and literally, physiologically, in three 21-day cycles, according to research, modern research, that neuron path that made you a slave to that thing will be destroyed and in its place will be this brand new neuron path that has branches that a stimuli comes It's like the breeze through the trees. It'll just pick up it will connect with other things. Instead of a bad thing, you're going to say, God is better than that bad thing. Some people get excited when they're faced with challenges because they know God to be greater than their challenges. Some people feel overwhelmed by the challenges. What's the difference? Same challenge. There's, there's, there's faith. There's faith to God's got this. God's got this. God's got this. Or where's God? Where's God? Where's God? So Father, I pray right now you would speak to our hearts. The biggest obstacle to everybody's life is believing that God is really on your side. He's not mad at you. Something bad happened because I did something bad, because I am something bad. That's why bad things happen. I can't ask God to help me, Jim. I'm just reaping what I sowed. Let me tell you something. If you see God as the one who is looking to curse you, you need to burn some new neuron paths and tear down some old ones. For God still loved the world. For God still loves you. He loves you so much. He'll destroy every wall between your heart and His. He's doing it right now. If you're not right with God, just tell him, I'd ask you for this, but I'm not right. So I'm going to start with being right. I ask for mercy. I ask for the revelation that what you've done for me is from this day forward more powerful than what I've done against you and against others. Help me to be the me that you created me to be and nothing less. I don't know it all. I don't understand it all, but this one thing I know. I know. The only hope I have is you, and I choose you to be that hope. I know you love me, and I'm going to learn how to love you back. I'm going to fight for this because you're worth fighting for. You fought for me. I'm going to fight for you now.